welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, you know what? I keep saying this every week, but I feel like it's always true every single week. A lot has happened within last week and this week, and we'll definitely get into that. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by... I'm Daniel Huynh, hashtag stop Asian hate. And I also want to give a shout out. I know it's not basketball really, but some of those LAFC uh, seasons are kicking off a couple weeks away, but I'm joined with... I agree. Stop Asian hate. Um, I know it's not basketball related, but shout out to LeBron, part owner of the Red Sox. Um, also, big shout out to Candace Parker. You already know what it is. You knew it was coming. Yeah. Ooh, but it's your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Sales. And of course we have. Yo, what up? This is Skyler and absolutely stop Asian hate. And also want to give a shout out actually to my friend Jeff from Winnipeg who tunes into the podcast every single week. And everyone else should too. It's a great time. And Cleveland, this is for you because we have a very special guest with us today, also from Winnipeg. What's going on, guys? Stop Asian hate. I am Justin Rowan from the Chase Down Podcast, also from Winnipeg. Very happy to be here. Thank, thank you, guys, so much for having me. I'm, I'm honored. Dude, Our pleasure. We're glad. We're glad to we have you. you. Yeah, exactly. And we can we we love you so much that we just keep talking over each other. But uh, for for listeners, just tell them a little bit about the Chase Down podcast because I know a little bit about it. I hate mm-hmm. the name, but I appreciate what you guys are doing. <laughs> well, Chase Down podcast, obviously, we are a cast focused podcast. Uh, at the end of the day, Carter and I are massive fans of the NBA. We love basketball. We love hoops. We, we like approaching everything from that lens. And I, I mean, we, we just happen to like the Cavs a little bit more. So we, we talk about everything through that lens. And uh, that, that's kind of how we view the NBA. So we have a lot of fun. Uh, we were recently acquired by the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is exciting as hell hey. uh, to do that partnership mm-hmm. with them. Uh, but the nice thing is we're, we're about a month into this now. And I haven't got any notes. I haven't got any censorship stuff from them. The team's been really supportive and, and believers in what we've been doing. So uh, it's... It's been a really fun experience so far and still incredibly surreal. Yeah, shout out to the Cavs for doing this because you guys are the first, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. The first kind of like offshoot podcast to get brought in by an NBA team. Yeah, I, I think the the first directly. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Memphis Grizzlies because they did something like this with Grind City Media. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Kind of incorporating mm-hmm. that voice of the fan. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure that was a big part of the inspiration here. But yeah, to, to be brought in directly is, uh, is something I'm, I'm still processing right now. Absolutely. No, I gotta, I gotta give the shout out because we can't let you be too humble. Justin, you were written up in Forbes, the Washington post, really amazing. And honestly, inspiring articles for, for anyone podcasting that Justin's podcast big in Winnipeg too, from Winnipeg Cavs fan. I'm a Lakers fan from Winnipeg, but rocking the Cavs Jersey for Justin today. And so, uh, Anyone, you know, anything is possible. And Justin is living proof of that. He had a fan podcast picked up by the NBA. First thing really of its kind at that level to happen, even with Grind City Media. And so kudos to you, man. Thanks for hopping on. That's awesome. Hey, thank you so much, man. No worries. No worries. But um, I hate to start off your stint with the Shooting Bricks podcast on a really bad note. But this is the news. And, you know, we are... You know, even though we talk about basketball and basketball news, this does intersect with basketball in some way. Um, So a shooter in Atlanta left eight Asian women dead. Um, Though the motive is not known, 
the white shooter seemingly targeted massage parlors because they are mostly run by Asians. And in a briefing this morning, the Atlanta police says it's not a hate crime, which is interesting. And they've been saying things like the shooter might have been a sex addict and he was just having a really bad day. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't think any of us had had such a bad day that we decided to shoot up Asian massage parlors, specifically looking for Asian people to kill. Um, it's really interesting because the police says it's not a hate crime. They said it's literally anything but that. The, the people on social media are saying that it's not necessarily that big of a deal because it's happening towards Asian people, which is, you know, egregious in and of itself. And there seems to be this hypersexualization of Asian women that also perpetrated this or purported this, whatever, this attack. And it just makes it that much more, I guess, not egregious, but it just makes it that much more worse when people are deflecting this attack saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's happening to these people. They shouldn't have been sex workers. They were undocumented, this thing, that thing. There's a loss of life. And this is horrific. And I still don't understand why this isn't called a racist terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. Go ahead. It is. Yeah, it it Um, was a terrorist attack. Oh, sorry to cut you off, Daniel. Go ahead. uh, Go ahead, Justin. Well, I I was just going to say it's a terrorist attack and it's just another example of how people don't want to deal with things. They don't want to deal with the realities and the systemic issues and what they do, their immediate reflex in these situations is to dehumanize the victim to make it so that it's not happening to anybody that we identify with or that i'm in my circles it's happening to these undocumented workers or whatever other assumptions are being made i see now uh they're talking about how the shooter uh went to a church so that somehow um makes it so that he's not a bad guy no don't don't use religion like that if this was a muslim you would be saying that this was terrorist, uh, a terrorist attack that's linked to his Muslim faith. That's you. You can't use that as an excuse. I mean, the Christian faith has been used and warped in other situations. The KKK, uh, it was instrumental in justifying slavery back in the day. So I, I don't understand why we are still in the same cycles where you he- have media outlets talking about, hey, He's just, you know, a disturbed person. Um, You never would have saw this coming and all the other things that we do to kind of make the 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 perpetrator in this situation relatable while we dehumanize the victims. It's disgusting. I can't believe it is still happening, especially when it's so transparent now, like when an outlet does this. It gets called out immediately. People can see Mm -hmm. what's going on. But because doing this sort of stuff reinforces people's worldviews, they're going to keep this cycle. They're they're going to keep it going because at the end of the day, they think that they can just outlive the noise. They can outlive the backlash and keep their own worldview as is. So to to me, it's disgusting. It it pisses me off. And like the, the inability to call a spade a spade is just... It's incomprehensible at this point. Right. Uh, And really quickly, Daniel, um, one of the things that I saw was one of the survivors. And I don't know if this is, you know, fact or what, but I saw it on Twitter that one of the survivors said that this person was deliberately shouting or saying that he was looking for Asian people to shoot in these areas. So, I mean, 
if you are still trying to humanize this person and dehumanize the victims, no, just stop it right there. That's, that's enough out of you, but go ahead, D. Uh, absolutely appalling. Um, a racial attack, in my opinion, is when it, when the perpetrator that is involved in the crime is targeting people of a specific, uh, of a specific race or color. This was a racial attack. There is no joking about it. It is. So like, yep. so at the end of the day, um, I think this sadly connects to a huge part of how Asian Americans have been seen in American history is that sadly Asian Americans are kind of looked as invisible, non-American, not being part of the community as a whole. And the fact that the media has been, and people on Twitter have been keep, have been keep trying to downplay this is absolutely horrible. This is, you know, this is how you make communities feel left out out of the country they're living in. At the end of the day, Asian Americans are Americans and it is and like we all deserve to be acknowledged as part of this country. So it's it's this is this has been a pretty depressing like reminder of how things have gone in the past and there that are still going today. Right. Just echoing with what has already been said, because I feel like you guys have hit the nail in the coffin. Um, I think it's it's and I that was probably a bad analogy to use right now. But um, it's 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 really sad to see that there's always going to be some type of excuse when there's a certain certain individual uh, that is causing the harm on other people. And I, that's what really irks me. The excuses, excuses, excuses. But if the roles were reversed, it's so much pressure on on, on those other people. And I'm not going to identify uh, those other people. But this is a time where unity, unity is supposed to happen. Um, as speaking from the Black community, I, I appreciate us always talking about uh, things that affect me and my community. And I'm, I'm, I'm not just sitting here saying I'm an ally. I listen, I hear what's going on and I'm, I'm going to move towards that community aspect. I'm not going to sit here and say that your hurt isn't as painful as my hurt because we're both hurting at, the t at we're both hurting. This is something that I can, I can, uh, feel and, and, and for certain for, for certain ethnicities and communities that have experienced the hate that is within this country should be able to understand on that level. I know it's not, it's not the same. It's, it's not the same both ways, but it's similar. And that's the thing. People within this, this, this society never wants to focus on the similarities that people have, rather always focusing on the differences. And I think that's what makes it even more dangerous because now we're looking at our, our allies as people that we supported, um, not supporting us. So it's a hate crime. It's racism. There's no sugar in it. So stop the bullshit. The media is always going to do that. So for all the people that's calling it out and using their voice to speak uh, speak about this topic, I applaud you. Keep on doing it because it needs to happen. Uh, and Daniel, um, speaking about the Asian community, you guys are not invisible to me. Um, I see you and I understand that some some point you guys, uh, the community is in that in between, right? Like, are, are we going to support them or not going to support them? But I'm sitting here saying it's always going to be support on my end because I love the community. I love unity. And that's what I love about this this uh, podcast as well. So echoing just what you guys have said. Um, yeah.
Sam, 100%. Uh, everyone has really just knocked it out of the park. You know, Daniel, for sharing how you feel with us. We're happy to have you on this pod, man. You're not invisible at all, dude. We're uh, we're so happy to have you here and, and never feel that way, man, because especially, you know, and I know Justin can relate, growing up in Canada, of course, there's issues, but uh, very rich Asian community and culture here. And I'm so blessed to have met so many people from so many amazing Asian communities and gotten to, to hang out with them. And it's such a beautiful culture and of course i'm an ally and stand with it and stand with everyone and justin your speech was incredible g uh, yours too jared everyone did really amazing and you know for me it's just you can't minimize other people's pain you can't hate a group because of who they are without getting to know them it always relates to a problem and it always comes from a place of fear complete fear so we just have to embrace one another's differences and not just embrace it but appreciate it learn about it and there's so many wonderful things to learn and support and uh this is just another example of that really you know it's it's just not about minimizing other people's pain at all and what is going on in the Asian community and what happened in this case. It, it is a complete terrorist attack. It is a completely racially charged issue. And if you're trying to justify it, eh, you might want to check your head a little bit because there's probably some racist thoughts attached to that. So no, of course, you got to call a spade a spade. As was said earlier, uh, this is absolutely ridiculous and no one on this podcast would stands up for it. We got to stand against it and we do stand against it. And we really need to be there for each other and appreciate our differences as we always do on this podcast. Uh, please check out NBA reporter Kyle Goon for the Lakers. He had a really amazing post today that shed some light on the incidents and uh, his feelings and his experiences that, that echoed some of what Daniel says. And that's what I try to do is listen and understand and help and support. I highly recommend everyone else does as well. That's what I got to say on it. So much love to the Asian community today. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? People need to listen more and shout less. And I've, I think I made that analogy before that people need to l really listen to what other communities are going through instead of like shouting whatever's at the top of your lungs. And, you know, it's interesting that this had to happen, but at the same time, now the violence against Asian communities is becoming more at the forefront now, right? Because you see Jeremy Lin, LeBron James, Trey Young, Dwayne Wade, Donovan Mitchell, Tobias Harris, Jordan Clarkson, and many, many more sharing their own sentiments about this, this racially charged hate crime. And they're all, they're all saying their piece with the hashtag stop Asian hate. And, you know, it's, I don't know why this is such a hard thing for everyone to come together on the fact that if one community is hurting, everyone's hurting. We all need to come together. And yeah. it's, you know, the, Last thing I'll say about this is it doesn't make sense. And I understand that everyone's pissed off because of the coronavirus incident. And, you know, just little quick, just really quickly, Jeremy Lin's abuser who called him coronavirus got identified. They're not going to say who it is because that's the way Jeremy wants it to be because he's all about uplifting people and not putting anyone down. So, you know, that's that. But I know everyone's pissed that the coronavirus thing happened. Okay, it's done. But to go out and make things worse like this it doesn't help anyone it doesn't make the situation better if not if anything it makes it worse and the fact that these things are still happening the fact that asian americans are being targeted because simply because they're asian and because the virus came from asia they're automatically a target that's 
and, and because the the president made a point of trying to link that even though when you look at the united states a lot of the transmission initially came from europe and when mm -hmm. you look historically, yeah. there's tons of times where viruses have mutated in America because of industrialized agriculture and, and the cross kind of pollination of diseases uh, from the, the farming practices in the United States. But it doesn't get linked to that. It doesn't be, get called American virus. The, the president made a very clear uh, decision to keep calling it the, the Chinese virus uh, and to keep perpetuating this hate. And, and when you do that, um, like you open yourselves up, you, you encourage this type of behavior. And I, I mean, I think everybody knows what a racist Donald Trump is. Yeah. And yep. this is the consequence. Yep. This is the other shoe falling. This is and again, getting back to what I said earlier, this is a marginalized group that hate or jokes it's always minimized when it's directed to uh, at the asian community i remember even when i was younger uh, like in high school watching like south park and thinking like asian jokes w were funny then and then as your worldview expands and, and you get to know more people um you understand just how harmful those stereotypes can be and and just because yeah. it, Sometimes yeah. uh, a community's voice isn't heard or it's not echoing into your circles that you take part in on a daily basis. Doesn't mean that pain doesn't exist. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean this type of rhetoric isn't dangerous. And now you see the consequences of it. This is yet another example. This isn't the first time something like this has happened. This is just yet another example of that. And the thing that sucks is it's not going to be the last time it happens to not even close. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. No, definitely. And, and the point, too, of, of the president is a brilliant one, because absolutely, when you think about that, that's really what this was, the culmination of. And uh, it's absolutely horrific. And, you know, there are so many marginalized pain. Um, you know, I've been told many times that anti-Semitism does not exist. I've faced it a ton in my life. And then I've heard so many times that, uh, you know, from Asian people that people try to minimize the pain. And you just can't do that. You can't because this is what it leads to is people really thinking it doesn't exist. It does, but so does the love and so does the support. And that's what we have on this podcast for each other and for all people of all backgrounds. And I hope everyone listening can take a page out of that as well. Right. And just so we end this topic here, because I know it's been a really rough 20 some hot minutes almost, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We will definitely keep an eye out and we will keep continue to keep continuing to spread positivity because that's you know the enemy of hatred is positivity and love so we'll keep doing that we'll keep shouting out what needs to be shout shouted out and we'll uh, we'll go from there but scholar you talked about love and support well do you guys support lamello ball being the rookie of the year because surprisingly the Hornets are sixth in the East last time I checked, and he's averaging almost 16 and 16, six and six. That's uh, and he's doing things that what no 19 year old has ever done before. Like the youngest triple double, he's putting up massive numbers. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't have the Hornets pegged to be sixth in the, or this high in the East. At least I thought they were, I thought the Gordon Hayward signing was just absolutely horrendous, but it's turning, it's turning into a really good product on the court. I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, absolutely. I think Lamella Ball is deserving of the Rookie of the Year award. 
Uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was not expecting much about LaMelo Ball being a Lakers fan. I was quite soured on the Lonzo Ball exp- uh, experience. Uh, the uh, the LaMelo Ball footage I saw in Australia was, you know, appealing, but I wasn't buying it because what happened with Lonzo and the Lakers. So to see him average six, 16, 6, and 6, and he's literally getting the Hornets into a playoff spot. And, you know, the, like what Jared said, like he didn't really expect the, the Hornets to be in playoff contention either. So, like, LaMelo Ball is be fastly becoming the face of the franchise. Uh, coming in, this was, in all honesty, he was, this was a weak draft class coming in, in my opinion. So for LaMelo Ball to take the reins, take, take control of his place so quickly, yeah, he is fully deserving of the Rookie of the Year award. He is my favorite by far. Gee, yeah, what's, uh, what's going on? Always... Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Man. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's just so funny uh, when you make like Lonzo Lamelo comparisons because, like, yeah, they're they're related, but the game isn't quite the same. Like to me, what impresses me with Lamelo, I I thought coming in this draft that he was kind of the one guy that I saw with all star potential, but I thought it was going to take time because you you look at it, these guys had nine months off or or longer. Uh, w- without really playing basketball, probably the longest break of their professional careers. Short in training camp, uh, you you rush preseason, and then all of a sudden you're playing a game every other night. A crazy schedule. None of these guys are used to it. And the fact that he's adjusted so quickly to this, and he's so far ahead of the curve, just speaks to his basketball IQ and what he brings to the table. Um, the, the shooting is good. Uh, obviously it's kind of come in waves in the past, but he, he's doing it on a consistent basis with the Hornets. Um, uh, I still think Gordon Hayward is overpaid, but Hey, for Chandler Parsons is making things a little easier for him. Sometimes you just need a vet, even if you know the guy isn't the most likable. Right. So yeah. I, I think Charlotte has good coaching. They got a nice support structure, but he's taking that, he's taking that opportunity and making the most of it. And, uh, like as long as he stays healthy, he, he's the rookie of the year to me. Yeah, really quickly, G, before you uh, you hop in. So they're fifth. They're actually ahead of the Boston Celtics by half a game. But go ahead, G. There was a lot of claims made by Daniel, and I was just ready just <laughs> just to go off. Um, the, the, amount, the amount of go support, ahead. the amount of support, and I'm calling Skyler and Daniel out, the amount of support that you guys have for Zion Williamson has truly made me a non-Zion Williamson fan. That support that you guys have for Le- for Zion is the support that I have for LaMelo Ball. I have one mm. word to describe this guy, Showtime, because that's what he is. Just to piggyback off of what Justin was saying, LaMelo Ball is different. Now, I used to watch Ball in the Family on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook Watch, so I didn't see LaMelo grow up from that freshman to where he is now. He's different. He's built different. We see him. Think about it. Luka Doncic was playing professionally since, what, age 15? 15, 16, yeah. Mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball has been playing professionally since the age of about 16 when he went over to Lithuania. Then he goes and plays in Australia. Then he comes back and plays in high school. Do you know how much experience that is to be playing against grown-ass men? Then coming back to uh, uh, the school that he played for, Spire uh, Academy, and playing against top high school recruits? You had, you had schools afraid of you? He had so much experience that is different from our NCAA unfort- uh, uh, compared to some of the NCAA players that I knew off the jump LaMelo Ball is, is, is about to ball. No pun intended. <laughs> so as soon as the Hornets drafted him, he was a, he was a star player. He is he's the fresh face of the franchise. Who else is the face of the franchise for the Charlotte Hornets? Kimba Walker's gone and he couldn't do shit. 
you know, we're seeing the true Kimball Walker now. I'm sorry, I'm just calling out everybody now. Because now that he's <laughs> off the Hornets, he can't even play basketball. It's like Space Jam uh, 2.0 because he just forgot how to play. To be fair, he played well when he came back for the Celtics. Like the first 10, 15 games back, he played decent. Mm-hmm. He was they are the sixth seed in the East. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not living up to that contract, though. I, I think Lamelo is going to give the Hornets their first relevance since Baron Davis did. Like this Ooh, is the, the first time they've actually had a true yep. exciting presence that has the, the star power plus the talent to actually make this franchise relevant. And he's totally. making. And he's making every everybody else more exciting. Like I knew Miles Bridges was a dunker, but man, they talk about mm. Airbnb getting nicknames, handshakes. You see how much coverage they're getting on Bleacher Report, Sports Center. Come on, he's the like I said, Showtime. And I can't wait to hear what Skyler has to say. He's gonna drop some rhymes and beautiful <laughs> words. It's, it's it's coming. Go ahead, Skyler. What? What? Gee, before I talk about Lamelo balling out, you called me out, and so I gotta say that uh, I got that same energy for Lamelo too. I'm I'm always hype up Zion Williamson because I believe in him, but that doesn't mean that I do not see what is going on with Lamelo Ball. Are you? kidding me that three-pointer he hit for the hornets 16th three of the half for their franchise record he does the veteran stop pump fake spin move and drains the three-pointer one of the best moves i've seen in a long time and this dude is 19 he may be 19 but his mind is definitely older Lamelo ball is special this guy is gonna ball out he has all the skill sets you know he's averaging six assists and six rebounds as well to go along with 19 points. I mean, it's just absurd what he's doing and how quickly he's adapting to the NBA. Uh, he's going to be very, very special for sure. And I'm really excited to see how his career unfolds. You know, I, I think in some ways he's what Lonzo was promised to be at this point in his career. And he is balling out. Um, I do still think Zion Williamson will end up with a better career, but him and LaMelo are going to be uh, making noise for a long time to come. Uh, I think Zion is honestly... Look, Lamelo is good at the end of the day, but Zion, come on, Jarrell. He you he's see, honestly see, te- he's he was ten an all-star. times better than Lamelo. He was an all-star. No, you not, see, you, you see, you see what they did. Now that this is a Lamelo ball question, I said Zion. He was the side dish, yeah. and now y'all making this a Zion Williams. We have to respond. And this is so, exactly Zion why has I don't the like him. Anyways, okay, so let me... Lamelo ball is a modern day Penny Hardaway. He doesn't get injured. Yes. He's taken off. I took it, dude. Oh my! I was I was about okay. to say that. I was about to make that comparison. He is the modern day Penny because his, okay. I don't know if you guys have seen his jump shot. It looks super wonky. Like he gets the ball. He like lifts up with both feet and like his knees are bent. And then he like shoots like that all the way through his chest. It looks so weird, but if he can get the mechanics down, he's like probably what a 38% like three point shooter. If that maybe 40 at the end of the day, if he fixes the mechanics, cause they look so wonky. Like I love three pointers, but dude, it's, to, to me, the bigger difference maker is going to be if he capitalizes on his natural gifts on the defensive end because he's got the quick hands, he's got the instinct, he knows how to read what's going on. He just needs to dedicate himself consistently on that end of the floor because if he does that, it's cancel Christmas. Like it, it's big it's facts, over. and he makes his teammates better. He is a rookie making his team better. Zion doesn't do that. I'm sorry, he gets you what? 20 points. He gets what points, are you talking but he about? Is not, he is not a clutch player. It's not going to happen. He is in the same realm as Giannis Antetokounmpo. You cannot give Zion the ball to make a, a play unless he's going to the basket. And soon enough, just like LeBron James, it's going to be you. It's going to be predictable. 
I, I, I don't see it. Y'all didn't, Zion's I'm, great. He'll be fine. I'm here to talk about LaMelo and give him his flowers <laughs> for how much, how great he is and how well he does see the game at his young age and how well he reads the floor. And it's only going to get better. So watch out for LaMelo Ball. He's the real deal. So what about Tyrese Halliburton? Because a lot of people were expecting him to go higher. He ended up with the Kings. God forbid he ended up with the Kings. But, you know, he, he's been a revelation too. I mean, he's really he's playing really solidly, averaging 12, 3.5, and 5.2 on really solid percentages. So does he have a chance? Let's say he sneaks up and gets like 17 by the end of the year, which is crazy. Do you think he can like snatch that from Lamella or here's the only thing, the the only way he gets it. And I already talked about the, the craziness of the schedule. Like at, at some point, the, the NBA have just made a decision that they don't care about the product this year. They don't care if teams are, are missing guys for an extended period of time. They don't care about rest. They don't care about recovery. It, it's just about getting to the finish line. So next season could be more normal. If LaMelo misses time, yeah, it opens the door. But Tyrese Halliburton does not have the same responsibility as LaMelo. Like, you can talk about the percentages all you want. He's playing off of De'Aaron Fox. He's playing off of Corey Joseph in the second unit. He is special. He, he, he can, he, what he's doing is really impressive to me, but when you're talking about rookie of the year, responsibility is a huge part for me. And, and the Charlotte Hornets are winning. And that matters. And yeah. LaMelo is the driving force of that. And like, I, I'm okay. Even if his percentages drop off, I don't care because he's actually being asked to carry a heavier load than any other rookie in this class. And, and to me, that's always the, the deciding factor when you're talking about this stuff. I, I don't care about percentages with young guys go out there. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Go like learn, right? Like that, that's what happened with RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett couldn't hit shots. His percentages were off and people are talking about, Oh God, Alec Burks is an upgrade from him. No, no, he's just a young guy trying to figure things out. I, I didn't mean to come at Nate Duncan like that, but hey, you you, you come after RJ Barrett, you come after Anthony Edwards after that dunk. I, I'm no. going to get some shots in. Uh, I I agree with what a lot uh, with all what you said, Justin. Uh, I just think that you know Ty- Tyrese Halliburton has been impressive this mm-hmm. year, but the thing is, the Sacramento Kings, I argue, are one most are one of the most poorly run organizations organizations is all basketball the sacramento kings as it stands i believe they're one of the worst teams in the league right now uh lamella ball simply has taken more responsibility he's actually playing a part in getting the charlotte hornets into the nba playoffs and he's taken a prominent role on the team doing so tyrese Halliburton, you're correct justin he he doesn't have as many responsibilities as lamello i think honestly though lamello the rookie of the year award this is his award to lose Oh, yeah. Everything, everything's been said. The key word was responsibility. You can't compare these two, unfortunately. Two different situations. Uh, Melo's winning it. The only thing is, if he gets injured, maybe uh, Halliburton has a has a, a bid. But fingers crossed, Lamelo doesn't get injured, and that's his rookie of the year. Absolutely, he's going to get this team into the playoffs, and he's responsible for it. It's been said, and when you're doing that, and you're having your team winning, and you have that level of trust at that young of an age, yeah, it's not really about the percentages. It's about what are you actually doing? And he's performing night in and night out. And to me, with that kind of team success, that makes him the unquestioned rookie of the year. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see what Anthony Edwards has to say, but I don't think he can make enough noise because the T-Wolves are right at the bottom. They're awful. I just wish they were a little bit better so that that pick can come to the Warriors. 
Just a little bit. Oh, no, you, you still got a great shot at that. The new lottery odds are screwed up. <laughs> new lottery odds mean you get the worst record in the league. You have a 50% chance of picking fifth. You, you have a more than 50% Thanks. chance. They could be the worst record in the league, and that you're going to have like a 60% chance of getting that pick. Don't you worry. You're, you're The Warriors are probably getting that pick, and I, I'm, I'm sick as a result of it. Imagine yeah. if there's like some frozen envelope type of malarkey going on where it's oh, like, yeah. oh. There's like a frozen envelope. Ooh, number one pick, the Timberwolves. Man, nah. If that happens, <laughs> no. Do you, do you think the NBA is going to exactly. conspire to get Cade Cunningham in Minnesota? Look, look, <laughs> look how they ruined Cat. Look how they ruined Wiggins. Wiggins is relevant. Wiggins is playing defense. Oh like, yeah. Jimmy Butler had to conjure all of his ability <laughs> just to drag that team to the damn playoffs. No, they're not putting Cade Cunningham there willingly. If it's rigged at all, there's no chance they're giving them a high pick in this draft. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. But speaking of strange things happening, G, you mentioned Giannis. Well, the Bucks they sent out DJ Augustine, Tory, well, DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, a 2023 first round unprotected pick to the Rockets for PJ Tucker, Rodion's Kurooks, and a 2022 first rounder. And they also made a trade to tr- to send Tory Craig to the Suns. They've been making moves, and this is. Actually, you know what? I'm interested to hear what you guys think. What do you guys think of the Bucks making moves about, you know, eight or so days from the trade deadline? I mean, I like it. It's I kind of like DJ Wilson, um, but it, it's to me, it's a worthwhile gamble. Like when, when you're close to that kind of contender status, you you go all in. You, you give up everything you have in the cupboard to try to win a championship because that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it's a little uncomfortable and it's a little hot takey. I probably would have laughed at someone for saying this last year, but I think at this point, the biggest question with the Bucks is, is Giannis good enough to be a number one? Because I, I think Chris Middleton's good enough to be a number two, but Giannis hasn't shown that he can elevate in the playoffs yet. And like I typically I will shy away from this type of stuff. But what always drives me crazy is that they tried to turn Giannis into this focal point that runs this heliocentric offense where everything runs through him. To me, you should have tried to get a combo guard in there and have him play an off ball because he can create as a secondary creator. Get him rim running, get use his length that way rather than trying to make him LeBron, because I, I mean, They've moved away from it a little bit. They got Drew Holiday in the mix. Maybe that fixed things. But at the end of the day, there's almost nobody that can do that. James Harden couldn't win that way. I, I don't think Giannis can either. Do what do you got to say? Because you're uh, yeah, looking... you're a Giannis fan. Oh no, no, I, I'm a Giannis fan, and I I will completely agree. Giannis is not a number one option. Chris Middleton is not a number two option, and Drew Holiday is not a number three option. They don't have <laughs> they don't have that go to guy down the clutch. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to put themselves in situations within the playoffs where there's close games, and you need to get a bucket. And unfortunately, Chris Middleton has failed numerous amounts of times. Giannis Antetokounmpo, similar to Zion Williamson. Look how y'all just got that guy's name in my head. Get it out. Similar to him. Uh, you can like like the Celtics did uh, uh, years ago, pack the paint in, and you just stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, Justin, that um, there should have been a combo guard in the mix uh, on this Bucks team. I don't see them as a championship team. Uh, Drew Holiday is going to end up leaving, or if they keep him. They just they just they need they need that combo guard. That is the missing piece for this Bucks team. Now for this trade, PJ Tucker, of course, is going to help on the perimeter. Of course, is going to help with a position uh, position defense, and of course. It, 
going to hit a couple of threes because he shoots, what, high 30s and a, and a corner three. He's a three and D uh, specialist, right? But now they just gave up their secondary ball handler. Like, who's the other point guard on the Milwaukee Bucks? And, and, and if I'm remembering correctly, Drew Holiday has been, like, you know, shifting between the one and two uh, for the past five years. So, you know, he could play the point, but, you know, you might want to put him at the two because – it's it's questionable. I mean, he can do it, but we, we probably want him at the two sometimes. So now the Bucks don't have a backup point guard. The only backup guard they have is what? Brandon Forbes. So who's the other guard coming off the bench that's going to facilitate, uh, get some uh, initiation on the offense? And I think I, I said this uh, um, some podcast episodes ago, but there's a free agent on the market, uh, a former MVP candidate by the name of Isaiah Thomas. That might You may be able to plug him in for some instant offense, but then again, you're missing out on the defense on the bench. So I don't know what the Bucks are doing here. Uh, they get their pick back. I think that 2022 pick is the Bucks actual, actually the Bucks pick. So they get that back. But I mean, it's not moving in the needle. You, 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 just to Justin's fun, point. Fun fact, running. fun fact. <laughs> That's the pick the Cavs gave up to get Jared Allen. <laughs> there wow. you go. So they just, they just throwing it all over the place and running wow. this offense through Giannis, not going to work. Yeah, um, you know, I think that really as far as this goes, it's a great move for the Bucs. Don't get me wrong, but – when you have the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, this isn't that shake the earth move that they needed to make. We're talking about a combo guard. I've said this on the podcast before. If you're the Milwaukee Bucks, do whatever you can to get Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal and yes. Giannis Antetokounmpo would be one of the most deadly combinations in the NBA. And that's the kind of ridiculously devastating move that they should be trying to make if they want to win a championship with Giannis Antetokounmpo or Giannis gets a jump shot. To me, it's a great move. P.J. Tucker, he's that gritty championship defender type. Hit the three, three and D, perimeter D, but it is not going to get them over the hump when you've got KD coming back for Brooklyn and Joel Embiid coming back soon in MVP form with the 76ers. It's a great move, but I would have liked to see a bigger move from the Bucs. Daniel, really uh, quickly. Absolutely. Um, sorry. Yeah, really quickly. This reminds me of when the Raptors picked up PJ Tucker in, I think, 2018, right? Him and Ibaka or whatever, just to try and stop LeBron in that one series. But then they gave up, what, that one hell of a shot. And then it just... It was just all bad from there, but go ahead, Daniel. Sorry for interrupting. I mean, uh, it's okay, Jared. Uh, I absolutely agree with what Skylar said. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit uh, ticked off that he took it for me. I was going to actually suggest it, but as long as they don't have, as as long as Milwaukee doesn't have a combo guard, like you can't really run this offense through Giannis. He needs someone to feed the ball to him into the inside, into the perimeter. So, um, Bradley Beal is one of the best guards in the league. They're missing that guard. The Milwaukee Bucks. I think they need to target Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal is stuck on a deadbeat franchise that's going nowhere. So uh, the, I think the the Bucks the, the clock is ticking on that championship window. They gotta they gotta capitalize on on this window when it's open. So yes, I think the trade for PJ Tucker was good, but I think at the end of the day, as long as that combo guard is not there, the the Milwaukee Bucks are two thousand feet away from that Larry O'Brien trophy. They're not gonna lift it. It's really interesting you guys keep bringing up that combo guard. Like, the one name that keeps popping up is Malcolm Brogdon. Like, it stays dumb. They're stupid. If Why they would you had keep... Malcolm Brogdon, it would, everything oh, would my be goodness. much better. They wouldn't have had to shovel through, what, five or six guards at this point? Big like, facts. if they just matched his contract with the Pacers, done. This would be, they would be a much more solid team. But that's neither here nor there. That's, what, two, three years ago at this point? 
I still wish he would have stayed with the Bucks, but it is it, what it, it is. It's it it's still funny. Giannis gets a single free throw in regulation against the Raptors, and they probably win a championship just by default because the the Warriors drop dead. Like uh, the <laughs> that that game goes to mm-hmm. OT. Uh, if he gets a single free throw, that game it's three zero. Toronto's not coming back from it. Assuming the Warriors all drop dead, that Boogie, Clay, Steph, KD all get banged up or get knocked out, they, they get that ring. But that's the NBA for you. No kidding. Butterfly effect. Let's hope that, well, if we have like a time machine, let's go back and say, hey, Warriors, just chill out for the next few days. Don't don't tire yourself too much because you're going to you're going to thank me later. But that's neither here nor there. But speaking of more trades and trade rumors and such. So we talked about the magic a few. What is it? Almost two months ago when we were trying to talk about our predictions on how they're going to end up. And I said that they're a solid eighth seed. They're not even close to that. They're dead, almost dead last in the East. And according to some like league executives, they said that the Magic could define the trade deadline because a lot of their pieces could be moved. You know, Aaron Gordon, I sent this in the group chat, should be going to the Warriors because that's the defender they kind of need. You know, trade uh, Ubre and Kevon Looney for him and, you know, some picks, except for that Minnesota pick, for Aaron Gordon because he, he is that defensive presence that the Warriors need, which would be great. And Nikola Vucevic, a lot of teams are interested in him, but the Magic seem to be asking a little bit too much for him. Yeah. They're asking for multiple first-rounders and really young, solid core players to basically fit in with Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac when they do come back. So that'll be interesting. But also, Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier, they said that they could be had for second-rounders. So do you guys think that any... Right, G? Do you think that any of those players will be moving at any point within the next eight or so days next week? I think Fournier is the most likely. Like, I, I think some team is going to talk it, themselves into him. And uh, the question again is, what does Orlando expect in return, right? So I, mm-hmm. I think he's at that kind of sweet spot of being a ball handler. Every team needs to add one of those. And they probably aren't expecting the world for him. I don't think Vooch is going anywhere. Aaron Gordon is... It's a little tricky. I, I've got a dark horse spot for him where I think he might end up landing, and that's Portland. I, I think Portland's looking to, to make Ooh. another move. You get him in the mix there. Uh, as long as you're not giving out any of the four starters there, and, and you can roll out Dame, CJ, Rocco, Gordon, and Nurkic, Like I, I think that... I, I don't know if it can make some noise, but it, it puts them at least in kind of that puncher's chance range where, where they're going to be a little more competitive and add a, a, just a little more two-way flair for them. So that, that's the, the team I'm keeping an eye on. But I, I'm kind of I, – I just don't expect the Magic to be too, too busy at the deadline. Uh, I actually think these pieces are at an equal level of being moved. The fact is, like what I said about the Washington Wizards a couple minutes earlier, this franchise is a deadbeat franchise that's not really going anywhere. As you said, Jared, they're about, they're about like almost nearly dead last in the Eastern Conference, if if I'm correct there. Uh, I mean, one. I think this, yeah, I think this team is looking to restart. This franchise has not done anything in like what eleven years. They have not done anything since the departure of like Dwight Howard. They uh, made the playoffs back to back years. That 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 is true, but they didn't really get far, so it's still a deadbeat franchise. Uh, I think this team. I mean, like, by keeping these guys here, like, they're kind of wasting them. So, like, 
if we're in a rebuilding situation and they're not going to give us anything back in return, they're not going to really get us more wins. We might as well just blow the whole thing up and rebuild. So I think I actually think the Magic are going to be very busy at the trade deadline and expect expect many like at least half of these pieces to be moved. Really quickly, the Rockets were actually interested in Aaron Gordon too. They wanted to trade for Eric Gordon or Aaron Gordon, excuse me, in the James Harden deal. They were asking teams to get him so that they could send them to the Rockets, but it just fell through. So look for that to happen. Maybe they might switch up Oladipo for Gordon because that's one of the more likely scenarios. But go ahead, G. Uh, the Magic have been afraid of making trades since they let go of Dwight Howard. Um, they've been stuck eighth seed or worse. I don't think that they're going to be super aggressive. Um, I like the idea of Aaron Gordon on the Rockets. I feel like as far as that that Aaron Gordon piece, um, it's going to – I potentially see him going to a team that has picks. So uh, the Rockets, um, the Thunder, potentially. The Thunder, they've been quiet. They have picks. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with all those picks. They're not going we'll to get a superstar player. So, you know, I think probably there. Um, I think Evan Fournier uh, pronounced his name – right hopefully i'm just gonna call him evan uh i think he's the most valuable piece here um any team can use him um a championship team could use him as far as instant offense you can insert him into the starting lineup you can have him be in that six-man role like a, a jordan clarkson you know just go out there and get buckets so i feel like he's the most valuable piece out of these four vucevic isn't going anywhere they you you hear what they want in return for him i don't know if i heard jared correctly but i think he said terrence ross and evan were were Second uh, rounders, yeah. Second rounders. So <laughs> them is <laughs> gone. <laughs> if I got a second rounder and some sour cap or some trash player making an uh, absurd amount of money, I'm going for these two players. I don't I don't care what team any team can use Evan Fournier for you for sure. But uh Terrence Ross, I think he's just he's a he's a firecracker, he's a wild card. Um I think he can fill that instant offense role as well. You know, he can he can get buckets. So I think any any team can use them specifically. Uh, those teams that are 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 in the playoffs for sure. If they can muster some some contract that they can give up. Absolutely, yeah. I think Terrence Ross in particular. He's such an energy guy. He somehow once dropped a fifty ball with the Raptors, and he brings a lot of energy off the bench. So if you need some bench firepower, Terrence Ross is a great pick in that case. Uh, Vucevic is not going anywhere. The dude is honestly spectacular, balling out. He's an all-star, and so I don't think the Magic are letting him go that easy, and I think he's in a tough spot because I don't think any teams are going to give up enough to get him either. Fournier is, is really great for that Jordan Clarkson six-man type role. No, he doesn't have the offensive firepower of Jordan Clarkson, but regardless, he can provide a lot. Uh, but And with Cole Anthony on the team, you know, the Magic can definitely build for the future, but as it goes right now, I'm not sure. For me... I think Aaron Gordon is actually one of the most is the most enticing in this because he has not lived up to his potential. We saw him in the dunk contest. We've seen him hit a flurry of jump shots before. And I think with the right coach and the right system, he could work really well. Gordon is also a California kid. And that brings me to Aaron Gordon joining. Yes, Jared is pointing in the background to the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, and heading back home to California to play with Steve. Steve Kerr to play with Steph Curry and really play for a team where he's motivated to win. The Warriors don't have that super exciting high flying dunker. Wiggins could have been that, but it hasn't happened. So Aaron Gordon on that team, able to hit the three, provide the energy and legitimately 
be a great starting player could be something really nice for the Golden State Warriors. So when I hear this, that's the move that immediately sticks out to me is Aaron Gordon going for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and I think that having Kelly Oubre come off the bench would be a little bit better for him because as a starter, he's not... Yeah, he puts up some decent quality, you know, numbers and stuff, but it just seems like he's overmatched when it comes to playing with, you know, bigger, you know, players. When it came to defending LeBron James, you know, they would switch him and Wiggins on LeBron and they were just, LeBron was just taking advantage of him. And it's that kind of size that the Warriors need to shore up that front line. Because imagine going up against Wiggins at the two, which he should be. Wiggins at the two, Gordon at the three, Draymond, and James Wiseman as he fills out. That's a solid core of guys that you can rely on on the defensive end because Curry's going to try. You know, he's not the greatest defender, but he's going to try. But having those two, those four guys backing him up, that's a scary defensive lineup, if I do say so myself. I got a question for you, Jerry. I just love these questions. Go ahead. Who do you give up? Who do you give up for Aaron Gordon? Because I noticed that you moved Kelly Oubre to the bench. Um, so who is going <laughs> to who y'all traded? Because Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> now, in this case, it would be Oubre, Kevon Looney, and a you know a selection of picks because you know Kevon Looney, like I said last week, he's not he's decent coming off the bench, but if he's playing more than twenty twenty five minutes, you, you're not gonna you're not moving the needle in any way. So having Kelly Oubre's contract off the books with Kevon yep. Looney, who, you know, is, like I said, is decent, but he's not great. You slide wide. expiring, though, right? Like, the, that's the only thing is that there's no long-term value. Like, unless Orlando really likes Kevon Looney, Oubre can just walk in, in this offseason. And I just, I, I just, I, I don't see the fit with the Warriors. Um, I, I think you'd need to give up something with just a little bit more value. Obviously, you're not giving up the Minnesota pick. You're not giving up Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like getting Jordan Poole in the mix. Uh, I, I could see him maybe potentially giving some value, but I, oh, yeah. I just don't know if that, like, I, I don't think Ubre and Kevon Looney can be the centerpiece of a deal. Probably not, but it's it's always nice to dream up scenarios where you don't give up Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion, but. Yeah, I mean, that's what I hope would happen. But obviously, Bob Myers is a, is a lot better of a GM than I am. So he might be able to figure something out, finagle his way into a really cheap deal. But, you know, it remains to be seen. I really hope that this happens. But again, it remains to be seen. But mm-hmm. G, you spoke of the OKC Thunder, and they actually traded Trevor Ariza to the Miami Heat for Myers Leonard, who we know is probably going to get waived because after like, what, two weeks yeah. this week? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not gonna. He's not gonna stay. Yeah, his and, blood sugar was low. Yeah, his blood sugar was low. <laughs> oh Dude, my goodness! All the things. <laughs> so many different ways to say that a person's like really messed up. But anyways, yeah. that's yeah, neither here nor there. Up. Neither here nor there. So Miami has traded Myers Leonard and a 2027 second round pick, 2027, for Trevor Ariza. And Trevor Ariza is now the most traded player in NBA history, being traded 11 times. And we speak about the Thunder's draft picks. They have 32 in the next seven years, 18 firsts and 14 seconds. And like I said, you know, Myers Leonard's probably going to get traded or waived, Damn. excuse me. So, yeah, shout out to the Thunder. They're just stocking up for one hell of a rainy day and then just throwing it out there. Like, you guys ever see that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio gif where he just has, like, tons of money on a boat and he's just, like, throwing it out? That's the Thunder, Sam Presti, with all those draft picks. So, any thoughts on that, particularly with Miami's side of the trade? I think this is a good move for them. They've been 
because they didn't re-sign Jay Crowder, they've been looking for that long piece. So, yeah, I, I think this is a slightly, slightly good move on their part. Go ahead, G. Like, you- maybe? I mean, Trevor Ariza hasn't played since, I guess, over a calendar year now because he, yeah. he didn't take part in the bubble. Um, he's going to be 36 in, in the very near future. I, like, in theory, yeah, he, he makes sense. And Miami didn't really give up anything, so it's not like there's low risk reward. I just can't see this moving the needle one way or another. Like, I still think that they need to go out there and find an actual forward that they can rely on mm-hmm. to replace what Jay Crowder brought to the table, which, I mean, you, you talk about them losing Jay Crowder. They're not actually missing what Jay Crowder is this season. They they saw the writing on the wall. They know that Jay Crowder can have a good shooting year and then come back down to earth. So it's not right. like they made a mistake letting him go, but they do need to get that forward that can play play both positions that enables them to play that switchy defense that blitzes the hell out of everybody. Um, so I, I, I'd expect them to still be active. I, I don't think they're done. I just think that this was a really easy way to get Myers Leonard off the team while giving yourself a guy that at the very least, if he can't contribute on the floor, he's in that kind of mold of a guy that you need and he's a strong locker room guy as well so it to to me it's a no risk very small reward move um from from miami's perspective i think this was an okay trade i mean obviously what justin said was right this was an easy way of getting uh getting rid of myers leonard who who isn't that good of a player anyway and plus honestly he he's personally a bum but yeah, so this was an easy way to get getting rid of Myers Leonard. Um, I just, I think Trevor Rees is a isn't you know he's a decent pickup. Trevor Rees has always been dependable on championship teams. Um, Lakers fans, the 2009 championship run, he played a pivotal part of that. Um, the the concern is, yeah, he's 36 years old and he's getting up in in age. But you know, Trevor Rees, getting him and acquiring him is it gonna hurt? Um, but I, what I really want to talk about is I actually want to defend Sam Presti and his management of the Oklahoma City Thunder here and getting those 32 traffics. Look, I know it's a huge buttload. It's 32 traffics. But at the end of the day, you got to understand Sam Presti is the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, a small market team. Small market teams, whether you like it or not, I know fans, there are a lot of fans of small market teams out there. Justin, you're a fan, you're a fan of one of them. Um, for the most part, uh, except except for like if your kid, if your player was born in Akron, Ohio, you're not getting big marquee names in free agency. You got to make it up. You gotta, you gotta. That's why you got to be good at the draft. Sam Presti has been has been historically good at drafting players. So you know, you know, he's the big reason. I think Sam Presti's the big reason why that Oklahoma City team went to the finals in the first place. He drafted that big three: Durant, uh, Westbrook, and Harden. So if and if I'm and in Ibaka. So at the end of the day, yeah, it's 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 weird. He got 32 draft picks, but if I'm a Thunder fan, Sam Presti's honestly one of the best GMs in all of basketball. I wouldn't be worried because I would trust him to to know like he could he could work smartly with those draft picks he has. Hey, I agree with you, big facts. And you know, if you average four or five draft picks a year, you can trade up to that first overall pick. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. This was the topic of the day. Uh, Daniel brought this to Twitter. So if you're not following us on Twitter, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, but back At to the podcast Miami Heat. bricks on Twitter. There we go. Plug that in. But back to the Miami Heats. Uh, this Trevor Reza deal. Nah. You got another Andre Godala. How old can you get? How old is Goran Dragic? You know what I'm saying? They still got they still got Udonis Haslam on the team too, right? This got to be yeah. the oldest team in the NBA currently. Uh, I don't. 
I, I mean, to get Myers Leonard off the team, good kudos. But I mean, I don't really see Trevor Reason doing much. They're going to have four or five players cheering on the bench. That's having four or five Jared Dudleys on the bench doesn't do much. So I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, no, uh, Sam Presti, don't sell your soul for picks and keep Myers Leonard. He's an absolute bum. He's a jerk, but Miami will not miss Myers Leonard. And, you know, overall, to me, though, taking this many picks sometimes, it's like walking away instead of trying to go for the money and who wants to be a millionaire. No matter how good Sam Presti is, it is. It is a lottery when you're drafting. People did not expect Steph Curry to be who he was and the way it went with the draft picks in OKC. It's been so long. It's been so long. It's been a decade since Westbrook and KD and Harden and Ibaka were all drafted. So, no, we don't necessarily know that Sam Pratt, we've seen him with the trades, but we don't know if they can work the draft magic. So, for me, all these picks, they don't impress me very much. I mean, the way he's gotten them is hilarious. He's made some amazing trades but overall I, you know i don't think this is anything too special to write home about i hope they wave myers leonard and he gets out of the nba uh standing for the anthem this summer as well that was ridiculous and so i just don't really want to see him play on the miami side i really like trevor ariza there 11 teams this guy has played for more than a third of the nba that is wow next level but trevor ariza is a champion so he knows what it's like to win and, you know, nostalgically always enjoyed him on the Lakers. Uh, and we're not going to see that same Trevor Ariza. But, he played you know, for the bring some three Orleans Hornets. This guy's been yeah. around forever. He, he makes oh, me my feel goodness. old as hell. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Chris and David West with the New Orleans Hornets. Hey, and Knicks, Tyson what Chandler. A what a pull. Shout out to. I, the... Go ahead, Daniel. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Jared. I, I, I needed to talk to Skyler for a little bit, but. Like, I think he's forgetting something. Sam Presti, yeah, it's hilarious. He has a buttload buttload of draft picks. But you got to remember, Sam Presti is the one that drafted Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka. This man A decade ago, and that was amazing. Yeah, but he sees talent. Talent always comes through. Talent is always there. That's that's the, the one thing to note, though, is... Like we always assign like coaching. It's one guy that's coaching, right? But when you look at it, especially now that the fans aren't there, you really see how many people are there. It's oh, three yeah. rows of people. It's the same thing when you talk about the front office. Like they've had people leave the front office coming exactly. in. Now. I'm I'm honestly like I, I think it might work out for them. I think Sam Presti's a great general manager, but like guys you can have all the best information and still take swing and miss like actually building a team is one of the hardest things to do and the, the fact that they got shea gives them a huge leg up because oh, you, yeah. you get the talent like that it's going to increase your margin for yeah. error to some extent and the picks help like i i think especially when you talk about small market teams what you want to do is develop as many guys as possible so that you can consolidate that talent down the road right like do what the toronto raptors did they hit a ceiling they realized that and they traded guys for a star so maybe they're going to be positioned for that i just don't think because they have the picks or because they have that volume of picks which they might run into what boston did where they had too many picks and they couldn't actually draft all of those guys in a given year because they didn't have the roster spot so they had to draft and stash and kind of waste those picks Having the assets is nice, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that their future is bright. He's actually got to go out there and do it. Yes, the track record's good, but there's been a lot of turnover. There's a lot of changes. Teams have caught up in scouting in different ways. Um, you, you just can't always extrapolate from that past success and assume that they're going to be good in the future. I, I like what they've done, but there's still a long road ahead of them. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned it. There's a lot of credit that has to go to everyone else, not just the head coach and Sam Presti and all that, because those people that we don't see behind the scenes, those are the ones that are developing those players. Like, remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the uh, assistant coach for the Timberwolves who didn't get the, the job, but it, it's, it instead went to Chris Finch, right? And Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum were, were praising that assistant coach. Sorry, I forgot his name, but the, there's so many people that we don't see like Chip England, right? Of the Spurs. Nobody really talks about him except that, you know, he's the shooting guru, right? So a lot of credit has to go to diff- these different people. And, you know, Back to Sam Presti really quickly. He was one of the people that convinced R.C. Buford when he was with the with the Spurs to draft Tony Parker back in 2000, what, 2001. So he knows what to look for. He has that idea of what is you know viable. And so if we, the best thing we can do now is just see what Sam Presti can do with all these picks because, you know what, 32, it's a lot. But, you know, stranger things have happened. And who knows, maybe they draft the next, you know, 10 best players of all time with those 32, who knows, right? <laughs> they have so many, but, you know, with regards to picks, the Celtics have actually offered multiple first round picks for Jeremy Grant per the athletics, James L Edwards. Wow. And, you know, multiple could mean one could mean two could mean three, but they really want something, anything because the, you know, per shams, the Celtics are eyeing John Collins and LaMarcus Aldridge and, they're not the best defensive team, and I don't think those players will do it for them, but they just need something. And sh- shout out to the Timberwolves because they are dying to get John Collins per Jackie McMullen. But uh, any quick thoughts on the Celtics trying to make a move that just seems that it's wreaked in desperation? Here's what I wonder. Are the Celtics actually trying to make a move or are they trying to say that they're looking to make a move? Because, I mean, y- you make the offer for Jeremy Grant and Detroit's not going to do that. Like, I don't know if you guys saw Jeremy Grant's piece in The Athletic, but he said he left a better situation because he wanted to play for a black coach and a black general manager in a black city in Detroit. You mm-hmm. think that guy wants to go to Boston? <laughs> Come on. Let's be real. They're not going to do that to him. Like, this is the biggest PR win that Detroit's got going for them. This is something that they can actually build around. This is something yeah. that you can have a little bit of an identity with. So maybe they get LaMarcus Aldridge on the buyout market, but he's cooked. Like, he hasn't, the team hasn't been better with LaMarcus on the floor for a couple of years. He's washed, like, Sure, Adam, because he's a name, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't see them actually making a move uh, for anybody. Like it's uh, maybe they make a trade, but like they try to do the same thing with Larry Nance Jr. But they ran in the same thing I was talking about with Sam Presti, where teams are just undervaluing those picks now. Like, yeah, you, you can send us a couple late first, but is that going to bring the same value that a Jeremy Grant or a Larry Nance Jr. or a John Collins is going to bring to the table? No, no, it's not. So. I'm sure Boston's going to be in the mix in a lot of these rumors and uh, the reporters that have ties to Boston are going to say they came so damn close to getting these guys. Uh, But at the end of the day, I don't think this roster is going to look dramatically different uh, after the trade deadline. Uh, I think I agree with pretty much what you said, Justin. I just think Boston, their problem is for the last, you know, the last decade or so is that they're scared to pull the trigger. They, I mean, you know, I have defended Sam Presti, but you know, there, 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 there does come a time where stashing draft picks does have its limits. Eventually, you got to capitalize on them. So, yeah, that's Boston's problem. They haven't capitalized on their, you know, on their assets 
hundred percent. I don't think this fran this franchise's roster coming out of the trade deadline is going to look any different. Uh, um, I think the franchise going forward is one hundred ten percent Tatum and Brown. So, oh, yeah. uh, I, I think it's a down year for Boston. But uh, if I'm a Celtics fan, I wouldn't be feeling too bad as long as Tatum and Brown can carry the torch load. I think Danny Ainge is a is a is a good enough team president to eventually, you know, get the pieces necessary enough. So they can definitely can uh, contend for championship in the near future. Uh, the assistant coach that you were talking about, that Dame and CJ uh, was wanting to be the head coach for the Timberwolves, David Vanterpool. Thank you um, so much for that. And then uh, Marcus Aldridge being washed. Oh, that hurt me so bad. Uh, I feel like with the situation he's given where he's expected to be the man, it's a bad situation. Like, uh, of course, he's not going to be 20 point, 18 points because he, you know, he he's was really putting up 12. He's not going to be the 18 and, and eight guy that we were used to seeing. And then he kind of peaked with the 24 points per game. Uh, but on a good team or a situation where they're they're going for a championship, I'm not saying he's Tim Duncan, but he can put Tim Duncan like numbers at this age. I feel like he can still do that when Tim Duncan was this age, you know, 10, 12 efficient points. Um, uh, the Celtics best case scenario, uh, as a, if I was a Celtics fan, ugh, I can't believe I even said that. Ew. Same sentence as a Lakers fan. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I would be very, I would be very disappointed. I, I could not. I would be very disappointed because you guys were on the we're on the brink of making it to the finals, and now I got to be. I have to be satisfied with being a mediocre squad. I would be so. I'll be. I will be upset. We got Kimba Walker over here. You gave. Uh. Uh. We had a, after Al Horford. There has been no replacement of a big. Um. They're not they're not capitalizing on, on their on their on their on on what they have. So I feel like the Celtics best case scenario is just to wait into the summer. That trade exception that they have will still be available, I think, uh, in early summer. So obviously no teams is knocking on your door to get salary cap off of their uh, off the books. So might as well just wait, suck this year, get a better draft pick because uh, you love those um, or go all out. Kemba Walker experiment, I don't think it's working. I agree with you. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is the future of the Celtics team. They need a big. They need a big. I don't know why they're going for Jeremy Grant. You need a center. You have to go up against Joel Embiid. You have to go up against the Nets. You're going to need size. And I understand Jeremy Grant is a solid defender, but I think getting a big four or a five is is, is something that they need. They need to be going after Miles Turner. And it, it, as much as it, I hate to say it, they need to be going after Andre Drummond because I know I want the uh, Drummond oh, to come man. to the Lakers. You feel what I'm saying? But that's what they need. And why are you going after Jeremy Grant for, bro? Like, there's, there's, you have Miles Turner potentially on the, on the trade block. Nick, uh, Vucevic, bro. Like, there's other names there that can help you in getting past that hump. And that's what they're going to need. They're going to face Giannis. I'm just going to keep on throwing uh, uh, Eastern Conference teams that have bigs out there that the Celtics aren't going to be able to handle. When you have six, I'm sounding like Charles Barkley. When you have six five Tristan Thompson and six four, uh, what's what's that guy's name? Uh, I can't even think of his name right Daniel now. Daniel Tice. 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 You got six three Tice Tice and six five Tristan Thompson getting bullied in the post by Joel and, and Giannis. That's that's a problem. So I don't, maybe you need to shift your focus on what you really need to make yourself a champion contender boston so, celtics really quickly skylar like a lot of the names you mentioned g like vucevic miles turner they have been linked to the celtics and you know they have been kind of close to making that switch happen but they <laughs> at the last minute the celtics just back out because yeah. the pieces are all there like they're really close to everybody they're yeah, <laughs> really they're, close they're to really everybody, close but they're also down 13 to the Cavs right now <laughs> there you go 
All right. No, definitely. Uh, we are becoming too synced on this podcast from hanging out so much because, gee, man, you, you covered most of what I was going to say as far as uh, the Celtics need a big. It's unquestionable. They need Drummond. They need Vucevic. They need Turner. Here's why I don't think they're pulling the trigger yet, because they're waiting to see how high of a ceiling Brown and Tatum will reach. And I think that's when they're going to pull the trigger and say, okay, now we're ready to go. Let's give up these draft picks. And yeah, it is that mentality of getting way too into the draft picks and way too into, no, we don't want to give up these picks. But at some point, Boston Celtics, you've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, one of the most promising duos of the future. That is why I think Boston will be fine. It's not going to be this year, most likely, but Brown and Tatum are the long-term future. And Boston is trying to play the long game. But at some point, at some point, stop backing out. You have to pull that trigger. And you have to get a big on that team. Whether it's Miles Turner, whether it's Nikola Vucevic, or whether it's Andre Drummond. But uh, you guys can let the Lakers have him too. I'll be okay with that. That's, a, yes, that's actually an interesting yep. segue there, Skylar. So, Justin, as the Cavs fan, what would be your optimal kind of like situation for the Drummond thing? Because would you like to see him go to the Lakers? I mean, the Knicks are interested in him too. So, yeah, like I just don't want long-term money at this point. Like the Cavs have been operating the last few years without any cap space. And this is probably going to be their first opportunity to do so. And if there's no deals available where it's like expiring contracts and like a second round pick then buy him out, let, let him go to the Nets, let him go to the Lakers, let him go wherever he wants, because that's going to open up an opportunity for them to clear up some more cap space. Maybe they move Jetty Osmond as well. And you start getting to that like $20 million in cap space. Um, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe a team like the Warriors would have interest in Jetty Osmond. It wouldn't surprise me to see them swap like Ubre and Osman uh, because Osman will give you kind of that same shooting. The Warriors uh, can move Ubre, Cavs get off the contract, and then they can make a free agency run at someone like John Collins or Laurie Markkinen or, or another guy to add to the young core. But uh, when it comes to Drummond, it, it, I, I just don't think the Cavs are in a position anymore where they want to take on bad money for an asset. You have to start thinking about team building now because you're beyond that stage where you're just trying to reload the cupboard. So uh, I, I anticipate that if there isn't a deal like that on the table, that they are going to go the the buyout market. Makes sense. I mean, everyone in this, uh, well, mostly everyone here would love to see Drummond get bought out and head to the Lakers, which has been really really been reported a lot but you know we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but a few more quick hitters here before we wrap things up so sticking with the Cavs the all-star game next year is taking place in Cleveland so Justin do you think there's going to be a a Cavs kind of like all-star this year because we're really hyped on Sexland earlier this year and then they just kind of like tapered off and fell off a cliff so yeah just quick thoughts on that First of all, <laughs> shout out the sex land poster behind me. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you know what? I, I think it's possible. Uh, Colin Sexton was putting up all star numbers this year. Uh, like, go ahead, go to basketball reference. Look at pair, player comparison. His stats at 22 versus Donovan Mitchell. He's scoring more efficiently, more assists, more points, everything like he, wow. he's putting up great numbers. But that's kind of a statement of how good the league is right now. There's tons of guys that put up all star numbers that didn't get the all star consideration. So I don't necessarily feel bad about that. But if he takes another leap I, I could see him in the mix there uh Darius Garland maybe you're kind of dark horse other than that like the, the thing that's in the way though 
is there's just so much talent in the East. The guard pool is so good. You got James Harden, you got Kyrie, you got all of these guys that are basically locks that that they're not going to be out of that mix. So I I, I wouldn't like put money on them getting an All Star, but I am looking forward to going down there for All Star Weekend, probably the the first one that, that people are going to be able to attend in person. Get that vaccine in me, and uh, I'm I can't wait to eat some Cleveland barbecue and go for drinks again. <laughs> No, we all, man. No, we all. What about uh, what about the rest of you guys? Uh, I mean, uh, Cleveland started off good this year. Uh, they kind of tapered off since then. But I, I think Colin Sexton is one of the more interesting younger players in the league. I think I obviously think. No offense, Justin. I think there's a lot of better young players than Colin oh, Sexton. Yeah. I still obviously think Don, Donovan Mitchell is way better than him. Um, I think Colin Sexton going forward could make. Uh, a good two or three on a ch- on a championship team. I do think, though, however, that um, the Cavs may, maybe, maybe not the if they can get another bigger piece with Colin Sexton and people like Dar- and guys like Darius Garland somehow that this Cavs team will be um, at best, you know, in playoff contention year in year out. Um, just personally, though, I don't think the 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 ceiling for Sexton and like you know a lot of these Cavs players is that high, but I. You, you still, it is still possible that you can get another era of Cavs basketball where there's just a lot of champ. There's a lot of playoff basketball, just not a championship. But that's my mm-hmm. honest take on the yeah. on the short and long term future of this franchise. He's he, he really trying to soften the blow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> don't don't worry about it. Man. Nah, don't worry about it. I can take it. I'm, I'm not going to go out here like Mike Tyson, but uh, uh, I have a good, uh, better appreciation for uh, Sexton because I picked him up on my fantasy team and he's been giving me points. So I'm all here for it. But unfortunately, you know, some players get stuck where they don't make it to the All-Star game. We've seen Devin Booker get stuck. And I feel like the Cavs' best bet of getting an All-Star has to be that center spot that they just got in Jared Allen. He could potentially sneak in there. I'm not saying it's going to it's going to happen when you got Joel Embiid and, and Vucevic, but we got injuries that occur. If Jared Allen can somehow muster up 15 and 15 like Drummond was doing and, and add a block or two in there, he, uh, be in consideration for defensive player of the year and leading the league in rebounds, he could potentially get that All-Star uh, uh, nod. So I think that's their best, the Cavaliers, best bet um just looking at what they have so far it's going to be really tough you guys made good points about the guards in the in the eastern conference it's going to be really tough for them to to sneak in there but jared allen might have that um i think that was a question i'm not going to sit here and, and bash the cavaliers daniel <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding uh what you got to say skyler yeah, absolutely. I'm actually really hyped on Colin Sexton. Uh, after I saw his performance against the Brooklyn Nets, 40-piece double overtime, pull out the win, I was blown away at this kid's potential. And I really think that he can take that leap next year and make it to the All-Star game. And uh, let's get Trey Young back in there, too. I, th- I think he should have been in there this I year. Love That's Young. how talented. I love that- I no, like, I, I love Trey Young coming in, but he didn't deserve it. Atlanta's Thank underachieving. You. Yes. And he's playing that damn oh, Ponzi scheme basketball. On. Damn yes. Ponzi scheme basketball. Like, even James Harden moved away from that. I, I, I'm, I, I miss calling him Beard, Beardy Madoff, but like, come <laughs> on, man. Like, just, just hoop. Just hoop. Like, play basketball. And again, it's another one of those situations where – 
everything runs through Trey. So the entire system is built around getting him stats. It's like what Westbrook did in his MVP year where, all right, everyone box out so I can get this rebound, so I can get my triple-double, and, and no one's touching the ball unless it's an assist opportunity. That style doesn't win. It, it just doesn't win. So to me, it's again, and I'm not even putting this on Trey Young. I'm putting it on the organization. you got to yeah. get him playing the right brand of basketball. You got to bring the right people in there. It's the same thing like what I said with Giannis. I'm not faulting Giannis for being the the central hub. That's on the Bucks for not getting him the right personnel. So I, I hope the Bucks do that with Trey. I think that's what they were trying to do, bringing in guys like Bogdanovich uh, that got hurt and, and that kind of threw a wrench in their plan. Um, but man, like he, he's got to earn it. He's got to earn it, especially with how deep the, the guard class is in the East. I know, I know. It's just his skill set and his talent is so good. Yes, he needs to be in the right uh, system and have the right players around him to really show that off. But I think that when the cards are in play, Trey Young will show that scoring and passing potential because we've seen it before. And I think he can be a superstar offensive player. But to answer the question, I think that Colin Sexton will make his way into being an all-star next year. Uh, I'm excited to see the game played. Yeah, Darius Garland, I got to give him dark horse. He's really good, but with how talented... Uh, this Eastern class is not sure he can make it in quite yet, but I do think Cleveland will have an all-star in Colin Sexton in Cleveland next year. Let's see what goes down. Maybe it'll be Kate Cunningham. You never know. <laughs> never Maybe, know. Right? And I'm actually not possible. a big believer of Kate Cunningham. Oh, okay. No, no, no. We, we would go for another hour and a half if we got into this, but no, no, no. We okay. can always do that. Kate special. Kate that. special. But, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to and the- Evan Mobley. Watch out for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, him too. Uh, oh, yeah. One or the other. If the yeah. Cavs land in the top four, watch out. They're, they're going to uh, it'll be Utah Jazz East. Yeah. The Cavs are only three and a, or, yeah, three games out of uh, 10th place for the plant tournament. Yeah. So. yeah, they're 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 still too young. They're starting four guys, 22 and younger. That that leads to inconsistency, especially in a season like that. Like, look, Kate, Katie and Russ won 23 games together when they were young. Like, you, you just don't win when you're young. Uh, mm-hmm. But they definitely have an opportunity if they get the pieces around them to become like a, a solid team. Like, I, I think that's what you do. And uh, then you follow that philosophy I was talking about before, where you develop as many guys as possible. Maybe you hit a ceiling where you're the Indiana Pacers. But the important thing is acknowledge that ceiling, trade those guys. Maybe you move Sexton and some pieces and picks for a disgruntled star. If other guys blossom, like there, there's a lot of different ways to go about team building. And it's interesting you mentioned the Pacers. Shout out to Karis LeVert because he just returned from surgery to remove that cancerous mass on his kidney. Uh, shout out to him. Hopefully everything is all good. Um, shout out to Jarrell, too, for making it onto Candace Parker's story. The hey, mile yeah. from ear over there, man. I love you, Candace. Big shout <laughs> out. We want, you, we want her on the pod. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you see um Yes. Did you see the thing that she was talking to Shaq about yesterday about how Shaq was saying that they need to lower the WNBA's rims by like an inch or like a foot and a half or something just so like women can dunk? I mean, that's kind of she was not having it, dude. She was like, no, you know what? None of this. That's super sexist in a weird way. And big fact. Yeah, none of that. Yep. She said she said her next kid going to be a drop step into a dunk. 
Yeah, I, I, I could help with that. But um, anyways, <laughs> uh, I love I love I love her on the TNT show because she really speaks facts and it really points out some of the like not to call out the other uh, analysts, uh, some of the BS they just kind of trickle over. Like she she's a basketball mind. You see it when with her game. She's a point forward. She's the size of a center. Can handle the ball. Can shoot the three. Can drive. And you can run your offense to her. And that that game, she's she's CP three. The CP three we see in the NBA. She's CP three for the WNBA. Um. That that mind that she has is also brought onto the television screen, and it's just it's amazing to see her talk. Big fan, let's get you on the pod. You already know us much love out here, CP3. Absolutely, always been a Candace Parker fan as a player, as a person, and I'll call it out. She called out Shaquille O'Neal because he was talking about rings and bigs, and she's telling him about switching on the pick and roll and, yeah. and defense and at the perimeter, and she looked brilliant and made him look like a fool. Shaq, we love you as a personality. We loved you as a player, but start watching the modern basketball game, man. Come on. <laughs> He's just Man. there to go viral. That's all it is. He doesn't care if he looks dumb. That that's all he's going for at this point. Yeah, I'm not like Kendrick Perkins, but hey, hey, Perk, per- per- Perkins is me. not, not going to say a bad thing about him. I I don't want those troubles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take him though. We'll take him. But go ahead, Daniel. Uh, I mean, uh, I, you know, I absolutely respect Candace Parker. Was she? Uh, you know, brings to the game of basketball. Obviously, I think Shaq is there just for the money and the contracts and the notoriety at this point. He, he, let, let's be honest, Candace Parker is paying more attention to the game of basketball than Shaq does. So, uh, props to Candace Parker. Uh, great, you know, giving our man Drell the, uh, the acknowledgement that he deserves. And we, we hope to have you on the pod soon. Yes. So, Feel good story of 2021. G shout out from Candace Parker. Absolutely. Last thing here, uh, we were talking about love and how we need to keep sending out love into the universe. Well, um, kind of sad news here. Uh, Sean Bradley, he was, I'm pretty sure everyone knows who he is. He was hit by a car less than a block away from his house as he was riding his bike and he's paralyzed. Um, this happened back in January and he's in rehab and he's apparently in good spirits, but just a, a horrible situation all around. I know he's been known to be kind of like the butt of some jokes because you know, he's big and a lot of people dunked on him. But at the same time, this honestly sucks for him. Um, you know, we're giving all the good vibes into the universe so that he can get better soon and he can start, you know, just hooping in some way, shape or form, because that's just horrible. A block away from his house, he got hit by a car just doing what, you know, regular people do. Horrific, horrific. But um Thank you for being in Space Jam, Sean Bradley. You helped inspire a generation of kids everywhere by being one of the players who lost your talent and was in the movie and played that final game with MJ once he returned to basketball. And prayers up to him, his family, a speedy recovery, but uh, let it be known that he's always had an impact on a whole generation of kids by being a part of that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of thanks... Justin, we just want to say thank you so much for hopping on. I know that was kind of like a weird segue there, but <laughs> no, no problem. Really, really appreciate you hopping on. I know this is kind of like we've been trying to get this done for like the past few weeks, but super glad that you can actually hop on. We'll be glad to have you on again at some point. It's, you know, it was a blast. It's been almost an hour and a half and it doesn't even feel like that. So for everyone who, you know, wants to check out, you know, your work, where can they find you? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Cavs Canada. Just slap the Cavs in the Canada. Uh, and also check out the Chase Town podcast. Uh, as I said, we like to talk about the Cavs, obviously, primarily, but uh, we talk about the rest of the NBA as well and uh, do the same thing you should do with this podcast, which I always like to ask our listeners, which is leave that rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books because Apple's metrics suck. Take advantage of that. Cook the books, baby. Uh, that's the best way to support any podcast you care about, including this one you're listening to right now absolutely and in that same vein don't forget to subscribe to the shooting bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice it really helps us out lastly make sure to follow us on at podcast bricks on twitter and at shooting bricks podcast on instagram for all the news on the shooting bricks podcast and as always i'm jerry castillo uh i'm daniel wayne hashtag stop asian hate i just wanted to say that at the beginning of the year i was uh, about 162 pounds as of today i am at 145.1 and joining me as well. This dude been working. This was a good time, an hour and a half shooting bricks with you guys. Uh, stop Asian hate. Let's unify. Let's become a community. Um, we're already a community over here as fans and as a shooting bricks podcast. It's your boy, Rally Rail Jarrell Sells. And of course, we have. Yo, what up? This is Skylar Treppel. Stop Asian hate. As G said, unify. And also uh, a podcast I have called Mamba Moments, where I interview people on Kobe, was picked up by Believe Network and definitely going to have a crossover episodes. And major thanks to my guys. Thank you guys so much for the support and keeping me podcasting. And to our guest today, Justin, who I had a conversation about podcasting with like a year ago, just knowing he did it in Winnipeg. So uh, it's really full circle. Really honored to be on this podcast with these guys. And Justin, man, thank you so much for coming on. What a fun time. Seriously, this this was great uh great crew on shooting bricks and great to have justin on as well and with that we have our special guest today justin rowan here from the chase down podcast thanks again boys R- really really appreciate it great time no worries it's always a great time when we have a special guest like you on and you know we hope to see you around soon and for everyone else listening to this we will see you guys next week